Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to our Tuesday broadcast. A lot to cover during the course of the program today, including Transformation Tuesday. Some really cool elements of that segment today. You know, I primarily like to address spiritual subjects for Transformation Tuesday. There's also a really cool story about America that you will hear. That is ahead as well. So give you something additional to look forward to. As you know, the atmosphere the past few days has been very much tumultuous as it relates to banking. We've had the federal government step in to try to bring about some sort of equilibrium to ease the fears, not only of the people who have deposits in these banks, but also of investors. Their big concern is that there would be a contagion. This would spread throughout the banking system. And then we have a repeat of 2008, which nobody wants. Here are some of the headlines from Drudge on our banking crisis. Starting with this, Washington's bank rescue fails to erase doubts. Moody's puts lenders on downgrade. Oh boy. Barney Frank at the center of collapse. Credit Suisse next to fold. Boy, that would be a big one if that happens. Stress indicators flash. And this phrase is not the kind of thing that you want to hear as it relates to anything economic. Ticking time bomb. (laughs) That is not something that you want associated with your money. That is not a good thing at all. One of the things that we talk about in this program is how important it is to resist giving in to panic porn. I, for one, believe in the free market system. One of the unfortunate things that has happened along the way is we've had so much interference, intervention by the federal government that our free market system has really been bastardized. To the point where we don't have a genuine free market system. Like for your own financial crisis, can you just make a call and all of a sudden, oh, we're going to step in. We're going to rescue from your financial problem. Maybe you have a small business. We're going to come in and we're going to backstop what you are doing locally. Is that likely to happen to you? Of course not. But if you're in a certain special class, well, that's where the justification is, well, this is important 
to the country financially. Our entire banking and economic system rests upon this. We've got to avert panic and prevent things from going down the tubes. One of the voices I have a great deal of appreciation for, he's been on this program several times, and his headline for something he's written, it's just right on the money to address what is going on now, beginning with Silicon Valley Bank. The headline is this, the fires are always burning. So calm down about SVP. Calm down. This is not a message you're likely to hear in other places where panic porn is the message of the day. John says fires are always burning, always. Even the naively referenced Great Moderation, 1985 to 2007, was defined by a number of major market corrections and crashes. 24%. October 19th, 1987. Do you remember that? Currency debacles, business failures, and we've had the wars and the terrorist attacks that invariably spook the commercial sector. What rates stress is the fires are a sign of progress. Capitalism is the personification of messy. See, this is one of the things, this is kind of like life, isn't it? We don't like messy, do we? We like things to be neat, orderly. And if things get a little bit messy, this is where a lot of people hit the panic button. And they're calling for Uncle Sam to intervene. messy. At which point it shouldn't surprise any serious reader that in the most dynamically capitalist country on earth, there will be routine scenarios that elicit fear in the marketplace. The fear personifies progress precisely because it signals the migration of precious resources into the hands of better stewards. Had a conversation with John Tammany about this just yesterday. That our financial system is dynamic. And there's always people who are looking to the best investments and they're going to abandon those that they think are less worthy of their investment. The persistence of commercial fires in the U.S. is something to keep in mind with Silicon Valley Bank. Top of mind. The bigger concern would be if the lineup of businesses never changed due to extreme tranquility. Without ascribing bad or mediocre to SVP, economies gain strength from periods of weakness as the bad and mediocre are replaced by the good and great. Isn't this what we talk about with the survival of the fittest? The strongest companies, they prevail. This is why it's important to dismiss the popular commentary about how what's happening with SVP signals the bitter fruits of a credit mania born of easy money. Care of the Federal Reserve. The latter, to a high degree, sums up what it is and what has long been the argument of the Wall Street Journal's editorial page, which is too bad. The analysis ignores the simple truth. No one borrows money as much as they borrow access to the goods, services, and labor that money can be exchanged for. Translated, soaring credit is a logical consequence of soaring production. 
as for easy money, care of the Fed, to believe the simplistic narrative is to believe the Fed and the Fed alone can overturn an ironclad law of economics about price controls always and everywhere resulting in scarcity. The Fed narrative also presumes money to be incredibly dumb, so dumb that those with title to it would blindly ignore the genius of compound returns so long as the slow-witted at the Fed are decreeing credit easy or costless. It's a long way of saying the Fed didn't do this, despite the desire among some to tie the central bank to seemingly every fire. We're going to talk more about this John Tammany piece addressing the panic porn of the ongoing alleged bank crisis. We'll talk more about this and get your thoughts and the latest information on this as we continue. Stay with us. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The fires are always burning. So calm down about SVB. So he continues. Some will, of course, point to the Fed raising rates. And the rates had a negative impact on treasuries that SVB owned and owns. This analysis presumes every time the Fed hikes, banks fail or experience a run on deposits. We know that's not true, right? No doubt SVP's assets were compromised by Fed rate increases, but the fact that its assets were and are safe and liquid hardly indicts SVB. Andy Kessler has pointed out the Fed had loudly telegraphed its rate increases. Thus, the question of why SVB didn't move into shorter treasuries over five and ten years, but that's easy to say in retrospect, to see why. Just consider all the endless speculation about what the Fed is going to do or not do. It doesn't take place because the Fed's future machinations are a sure thing. But because they're not, if SVB had moved into three-month treasuries, the latter would, in retrospect, have been a good move, but hardly a sure thing. And what John Tammany's arguing here is, with all of these investments, there are no guarantees. Had the Fed ceased its rate fiddling, such a move would look foolish at presence. In other words, it's hard to indict SVB for having made longer-dated treasuries easily the biggest category of assets on its books. It all speaks to what's true about SVB. It did not, nor does it have a liquidity problem. Can I say this again? The bank doesn't have a liquidity problem. See its treasury holdings? It wasn't taking major risks, as the easy money and searching for yield crowd continues to assert. 
SVB was doing the opposite of risky. Some have happened on duration mismatch. That's the source of SVB's problems. Except the latter is as old as banking is. Almost by definition, banks are going to rent money at short-term rates in order to buy or lend long. Banks are not warehouses for cash as the duration mismatch crowd wants them to be. If there's demand for warehouses, the markets will meet those needs as they always do. John says his colleague Joseph Calhoun has written about the drawdowns at the bank located at the heart of Silicon Valley. A not insubstantial portion of the cash SVB holds constitutes the funds of VC-backed businesses that routinely fail. Add to this, VCs have tightened the reins on these businesses, thus intensifying the drawdown of cash. Still, Calhoun reasons calmly, this alone would not, would not bring it into a bank, at which point it Rates stressing yet again, SVB had its cash in highly liquid assets. But Calhoun, Calhoun does this. He points to Peter Thiel, essentially yelling fire last week. And there's the big question, why did he do it? Why, in consideration of how conservatively SVB had once again allocated the funds in its care, the answer to this question will unlock greater truths. What about bailouts to staunch contagion? Or the FDIC stepping in as it did? Okay, but why? If SVB faces failure, any financial institution or business more broadly could own an impressive franchise on the relative cheap and would be compensated for making depositors whole by the latter. So while endless questions remain, it's worth stressing, failure defines capitalistic progress such that government should not play a role in what would ably be solved by market actors if government would just get out of the way. It's that simple. There was no liquidity issue. This essentially was a panic. Created by actions by Peter Thiel. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? And I'm not trying to stir up a a mob against Peter Thiel. I'm raising a question. Because, and I was discussing this with John Tamney yesterday. The balance sheets are pretty solid. There's no reason in the world why this panic started. None. This is crazy. What in the world is this texture? <laughs> if SVB is just fine, nothing's wrong. Why did some of its senior officials sell off so much just a few months ago? I don't know. You would have to ask them. This texture would like to know why should the government make all those depositors whole at those two banks? They all understood the $250,000 FDIC coverage and assumed the risks. We're going to address this a little bit later on. This person adds, this reminds me of Biden canceling student loan debt. Another texture reminds us of another economist 
We wrote about this long ago, creative destruction. The big questions he asked was, where will this lead? He came to the conclusion socialism was inevitable. He didn't like it. But if we're not going to allow natural selection, this is what will happen. You're right on the money. Hmm. This is where we find ourselves now, where the government steps in to intervene, to be the hero. But it's not necessarily something that is needed right now. Vince, you're missing the bigger picture. Our government is using the SVP collapse to move us to traceable digital currency. It would not surprise me in the least bit. And this social media started and spread the run on SVB. Boy, this is another blessing and curse of social media, is it not? All it takes is not a focus on balance sheets, but fear. Fear is a powerful motivator, is it not? By the way, here's something you should know. A story by Tech Times. On Friday... The Silicon Valley Bank collapsed in the United States, failed to raise enough money to cover losses from the sale of assets. Because of this alarming failure, consumers in the United Kingdom, they were worried that SVB UK would also be affected. But guess who came to the rescue? Did the British government get involved? No. Enter HSBC. Do you know what HSBC did? They acquired the UK arm of this company for a whopping $2. <laughs> I'm serious. $2. Although the U.S. parent company of SVB UK failed, it was still making profits before HSBC announced the acquisition. Sources from the Bank of England explain HSBC's SVB UK acquisition was more of a preventive effort. If they didn't do this, they would struggle financially since the collapse of the U.S. branch and there would be mass withdrawals in the United Kingdom. A dollar twenty-one, ladies and gentlemen. The liabilities and assets excluded from this acquisition. This is amazing. <laughs> Stay with us, folks. Over on that text line, Jeff says, seems like we're darned if we do, darned if we don't. With these bailouts, if we don't bail them out, they'll create more panic. If we bail them out, we'll likely be the CEOs and CFOs that get all the money and run. Saying, see you later, suckers. See, there's no downside at all. How many of you with your small businesses have that kind of guarantee? No matter what. <laughs> no matter what. Hmm. Vince Elizabeth Warren warned us 
in 2018 when the Trump administration pushed through all these revisions to the regulations on medium-sized banks. This would happen. We should have listened to her. This woman knows absolutely nothing about economics. Zero. And again, I remind you, there's no crisis here. This is a crisis of fear and fear only. I go back to the words of FDR. We have nothing but fear, but fear itself? That's the problem here. That is the entire matter. (laughs) This texture says, but we can bail out Ukraine. Oh, boy. On another economic front, by the way, oh, before I get to that, I must share with you from a couple of people, their insights on what is going on with this so-called banking crisis, because these are indeed insights. Things that we definitely should consider from people who know what they're talking about. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's the guy running for president, and he raises this issue. If the real FDIC guarantee is some number greater than 250000 then why play the charade of pretending like there was a cap at all? I hate this game of the government saving its darlings by bending the rules after the fact. But I guess it's kudos to Silicon Valley for winning this edition of crony capitalism in America. That is right on the money. Don't they tell you? That's the max. That is all you're guaranteed to receive back. If there is a crisis, that indeed happens. $250,000. But everybody's being made whole here. So what's the point of even playing the markets if certain people are going to get special attention? special protections and don't get me wrong I'm happy for those people our good friend Daniel Horowitz they underwrote 4.8 trillion dollars in securities to fund the lockdown killing our life liberty and economy then the low interest rates spawned uncontrollable inflation so they raised them Leading to the current banking crisis, very appropriate for the three-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the curve. You remember that notorious phrase? little different perspective there from Daniel. But the bottom line is, if there's any crisis, this is government created. What are your thoughts on this? Speaking of government, they're out with new information on consumer prices. The consumer price increases ease slightly from January to February. Still, we've got elevated inflation. This is a real challenge for the Federal Reserve. A delicate moment for the financial system now throwing in the mix of concern about banks. Prices up 0.4% last month. This 0.5% in January. Yet excluding volatile food and energy costs, so-called core prices rose a half a percent in February. That was above January's 0.4% gain. Now the Fed 
pays particular attention to the core measure as a gauge of underlying inflation. Now, prices are rising much faster than the Fed wants. Some economists expect the central bank to suspend its year-long streak of interest rate hikes when it meets next week. What will they do? Now, with the collapse of two large banks since Friday, fueling anxiety about other regional banks, the Fed for now may focus more on boosting confidence in the financial system than on the long-term drive to tame inflation. See, I think this entire matter, I don't know about you, is silly. This so-called command economy and having a group of people to make decisions like this, this is pure madness. Anyway, this is a sharp shift from just a week ago when the chair... Jerome Powell suggested to a Senate committee if inflation did not cool, the Fed could raise its benchmark interest rate by a substantial half point. That's at the meeting next week. When the Fed raises its key rate, it typically leads to higher rates on mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, and many business loans. Now, allegedly, inflation has been easing for about eight months. In February, consumer prices climbed 6% from 12 months earlier, down from 6.4% year over year. That's below the peak of 9.1% back in June, but still far above the Fed's 2% annual inflation target. They've got some distance to go, don't they? So, I'm curious, what are your thoughts? about the Fed. Are they going to say, you know what, I think we need to just park here for a little while and leave things alone? What do you think? Over on the text line, (laughs) this person's right on the money. Once you start messing with the economy, you can never stop messing with the economy. Doesn't this apply to everything the federal government gets involved in, whether it's our health care system, education, And since they started, it just gets worse. Vince Biden is finger-pointing at the Trump administration for deregulating the banks, causing the bank failures. If that's the case, why did Biden leave these regulations in place for the last two-plus years? Exactly. Do we hear Biden or Janet Yellen sound the alarm bells of impending bank failures? Of course not. (laughs) Why do they have to be made whole if the bank has the money? Yeah, it's a very good question. The bank problem is all about trust or lack of it in the federal government. SV Bank was heavily invested in fixed interest U.S. federal bonds and certificates. And when the government raised interest rates, these fixed interest units became worthless. Then when purchased, the bank got screwed by the government. So it didn't have all the deposits anymore. Isn't it wonderful, our federal government? (laughs) Stay with us, folks.
back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Coming up in the next half hour, we've got some really inspirational items, including a really a great moment, the Oscars. How many of you watched? I don't bother with that nonsense. I really don't. But there's one moment that you will absolutely appreciate. We'll share that coming up in just a few minutes. Also, I think it's UK Daily Mail reporting on what could be a blockbuster development in one major church organization. We'll address both of those issues coming up in the next hour. How is that for suspense? (laughs) We also need to tell you about breaking news. On this banking situation, we have yet a new development. And this is not going to be helpful at all. Moody's has cut the outlook on U.S. banking on the entire banking system to negative, citing rapidly deteriorating operating environment. Oh, my goodness. This is yet more gasoline on the fire, folks. Again, the headline, Moody's cuts outlook on U.S. banking system to negative, citing rapidly deteriorating operating environment. And a harsh blow to an already reeling sector, Moody's Investor Service cut its view on the entire banking system to negative from stable. The firm, part of the big three rating services, said it was making the move in light of three key failures that prompted regulators to step in Sunday with a dramatic rescue plan for depositors and other institutions impacted by the crisis. We've changed to negative from stable our outlook on the U.S. banking system to reflect the rapid deterioration in the operating environment following deposit runs at Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate Bank, and Signature Bank, and the failures of SVB and SNY. Again, that's out of the fine folks at Moody, which is another wonderful addition of gasoline to the fire. (laughs) All right, folks. I don't do this a lot as it relates to news stories, but I think it's appropriate here. I go to Isaiah 520. It's a verse you've probably heard before. And here's the English Standard Version. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. How many of you make the observation about how our world seems so upside down, things that should be up or down, things that should be down or up, You know, we've got all these crazy things going on, especially as relates to gender and sexuality. It's all on steroids now. So imagine. (laughs) Not only do you have a pattern of people heading down these directions, but you have people who dare to use, really, what amounts to biblical language to condemn people who are taking a stand against things that are clearly wrong. 
As a disclaimer, I've said before, I'm very much libertarian, live and let live. One area where I'm not libertarian is when it relates to children. So Joe Biden sat down for an interview with Cal Penn. Yeah, that Cal Penn. This was an interview that was conducted on Monday where he had an opportunity to address what's happening with legislation related to transgender people in Florida. And I want you to hear what Biden has to say. This is not about adults, folks. I want you to remember this. This is not about adults. This is about children. Listen to what your president had to say. Uh, Transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida? is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Don't you get the impression here he'd like to see a law that would allow kids to be mutilated in the name of what? And my heart goes out to these kids who are wrestling with their identity and everything I've read about this. These issues, for the most part, they resolve themselves. They resolve themselves. But we're going to mutilate them before they have a chance for things to come together in their lives. And to call, to call what people are trying to do to protect children sinful, this man is a reprobate. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.